it's this unique position that she and all of our kids have been in where they don't always know what's going to happen with the pandemic and their parents don't always know what's going to happen. So through the eyes of Henrietta, I just wanted to show what does it mean to not know and how can we cope with that situation? You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Wisdom for Wellbeing listeners. I am so excited to be connecting today in your earbuds, on the speaker, however we have come together. And I guess just to reintroduce myself, my name is Dr. Caitlin Harkis. I am a clinical psychologist based in Adelaide, South Australia. Now this is relevant for today's episode because this episode's release has been specifically timed here in South Australia, as well as around Australia, we are heading back to a new school year, which of course, everyone globally is feeling the transition we're going through in terms of how we navigate the pandemic and our little people, you know, children are experiencing this as well. They of course have a unique way of navigating the world and understanding the world. And today's Wisdom for Wellbeing guest, Dr. Laura Anderson Kirby, is uniquely placed to comment on that as a child clinical psychologist. She's taken a really special way of navigating the uncertainty children experience and supporting them through her work as a children's author. She's written the most beautiful book, Henrietta Thistleberry's Boots, which describes the story of little Henrietta who has to navigate the Thistleberry challenges, which parallels us navigating the COVID-19 challenges, describing to little children the ways that they can cultivate resilience practice by practice in terms of how one might wear boots and manage the uncertainty and the changes with it all. But I won't spoil this interview. I would love you to hear it from Dr. Kirby herself. So just to give you a little bit more background, Dr. Kirby completed an undergraduate degree at Duke University where she majored in psychology and perhaps not surprisingly minored in English. She's since trained at the Yale Child Study Center and headed then off to the University of Maryland. She is currently working as a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in North Carolina. I do reference her Canadian roots in this interview. That is incorrect. (laughs) That is me externalizing my Canadian roots. So know that she's based in North Carolina and Laura's passion is to promote child mental health and social and emotional learning through her writing and her practice to help spirited and neurodiverse children feel understood and to inspire societal acceptance of 
all kinds of people because the world really needs them. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Laura Anderson Kirby now. Welcome to Wisdom for Wellbeing. Thank you so much for putting the time aside and, you know, really like truly carving out this space in amongst, you know, busy life to be, to be with me here today. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I guess just for listeners, so, you know, Lori, you're a psychologist, you're based in Canada. What, what else do listeners need to know if they haven't actually met you or heard of Henrietta, who we will be introducing in our, in our conversation today? Yeah, so I think an important part is just that, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent myself. And so I witnessed my young children going through the pandemic and just felt that there was a gap in terms of, you know, just some fiction, uh, fictional books and fictional characters who experience something similar that my children could relate to. Um, and I just, I found this big need for that and just decided, you know, during my own maternity leave to tackle this problem and just use my clinical psych skills um, to create a really needed resource for our young kids. Speaking of the parent, we literally talked before, um, before we hit record, you are hiding out in your closet because your kids are sleeping right now. And, is, yeah. and I was saying I'm locked away right now with pillows kind of um, at the door so that the the sound is is kind of contained, which is, which is the balance. So you were noticing when the pandemic hit that like a fictional sort of character, a way of introducing the pandemic to children wasn't available, which makes sense because we hadn't gone through pandemic right. until this point in time but you know you created Henrietta so would you mind just sharing with listeners a little bit about Henrietta because she is an incredible character and adorable sure of course so she is a hedgehog and the reason I made her an animal um, as opposed to a human character was for a few reasons so one you know we know that kids are really attached to animals it it maintains their attention. They think that they're cute. And there's actually research on this that shows that children uh, maintain attention better when there's animal characters. Another reason is because, especially for really anxious kids, um, an animal character can be less threatening. So, you know, it kind of um, brings this story outward a little bit. It's less connected to reality. And so a lot of times anxious kids are more willing to go there if it's a character who is not human and they can talk about this um, fictional world where hedgehogs can talk and hedgehogs go to school and it just feels less connected to reality and um, more easily accessible to those highly anxious kids who might have trouble talking about difficult situations and difficult feelings. Um, and she, she was a character really modeled after my own son. Um, I, I would describe her as a spirited character, tending to be more towards the anxious side, a little bit quirky, really awesome, fun to be around. You know, she has really intense interests in things like dinosaurs and um, but change is really hard for her. She loves her routines. She loves predictability, just like we all do. And she really struggles with 
not knowing what's going to happen. Um, and it's this unique position that she and all of our kids have been in where they don't always know what's going to happen with the pandemic and their parents don't always know what's going to happen. So through the eyes of Henrietta, I just wanted to show what does it mean to not know and how can we cope with that situation? I had no idea how much um, research went into choosing Henrietta and her character. This is incredible as well, because, you know, from the outside, you're like, oh, yeah, she's a lovely little hedgehog, you know, <laughs> not knowing the the depths of the consideration given in terms of making this story accessible to kids and how beautiful that she is you know, so mirrored after your son and his experiences too, which I think is really a nice lens um, to bring. Yeah. So with that, so you, you described your son and Henrietta as, you know, particularly having challenges with change, that we all have challenges with change, that this is true across the board. Um, how do we, how do we support kids with this? You know, ha having conversations and, you know, going into a story like Henrietta and, and the challenges she's having is one way, but, you know, sitting there with your psychologist hat on, I imagine you have a wealth of information on how we actually introduce this story and introduce change broadly. Yeah, for sure. And I think as parents, even myself as a trained psychologist, it's hard to have these conversations with our kids. It's hard to know where to start and how to bring up challenging situations. So um, I think children's literature is kind of a, a really great jumping off point to start just reading the book together, maybe not even trying to process it with them the first time you read through it. Um, but maybe the next time, ask them if they think this might relate to their life at all um, and just use it as a springboard for discussion. Um, I think also just making sure to have a consistent routine. I've seen that that's really helped my own child and um, my, my clients that I see in my practice. Um, when During times where there is such unpredictability, um, just having things that they know that they can count on. You know, we always uh, read a book together before bed. We always take a bath. We always do yoga to calm down, things like that, um, so that they, they just know what to expect. And I've seen with my own son, who tends to be a more visual learner, even showing him a calendar, you know, this is what we're going to be doing this week. So you're not surprised when we, um, you know, go to the park on Saturday um, and just showing him some visual schedules so that he does have a sense of control um, because our mm -hmm. kids during this time, I think a lot of them have a sense that they might feel out of control and they want something that they feel like they have a handle on. Um, so just giving some visual reminders, showing calendars, and then just prepping them uh, for what to expect. I found that to be really helpful. Amazing. It's interesting that the calendar is visual, you know, reading a story is visual. It gives you a sense of who this character is and the, you know, challenges she's going on. And I really like that idea that it's the second time you're sort of asking the kids how they think it might relate to their life. It's not telling, is it? it it's allowing them to make the connection. Right, right. And depending on the child's developmental level, I mean, some of them might just say, 
she has boots and I have boots and, <laughs> and it's totally fine. I mean, um, I, I read the book to a few third grade classrooms and by that age, all of the kids, you know, caught on and they said, oh, this is related to all the changes we've been facing in our lives because of the pandemic and having to wear masks. And, um, but I think the younger kids, you know, you don't necessarily have to connect it to the pandemic, but just um, I, the reason that I made the book pretty broad was because, you know, in life, there's always going to be changes and transitions and unexpected situations. So I think um, for a littler kid, you can even connect it to, um, you know, they're planning to go to the park, but then it rains and it, it lightnings and then you can't go and what could be a good plan B. So just connecting it to your everyday situations where unexpected things pop up yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense that's a really nice way of highlighting that in some ways the skills that allow us to get through this pandemic as best we can are skills that we're working on every day that life is arising every day right exactly and just um how to build resilience not by um you know ignoring the pain and the trauma that this sort of thing can cause, um, but also just, um, you know, learning to express feelings and trying to move on with resilience as well. That makes sense. So in the book, Henrietta has, you know, particular um, sensory challenges that come up for her, which is unique. Would you mind just talking us through that, that experience that she has in it and how that kind of plays out in our lives and with, with all of us? <laughs> Sure, no problem. So she um, she's a character who does not like anything to be touching her paws at any time. She loves running around barefoot in her backyard, which is full of soft moss. She just loves the way that feels. Um, and unfortunately, her whole family and friends, everybody's forced to start wearing what are called thistleberry boots to protect them from these dangerous berries that are falling in the forest. And it really takes her a long time to learn how to wear these boots because she just doesn't like the feeling of them. So, you know, she watches her brother and sister run around outside, but she feels really upset because she cannot go outside because it's not safe. Um, and you just see her slowly learning how to wear them, practicing, getting support from her parents. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I, I modeled her after my son who does have some sensory sensitivities. Um, he's not on the autism spectrum, but I do in my practice work with a lot of children on the autism spectrum with sensory sensitivities that also inspired this character. Um, and so her parents really accommodate for her. They get her some really soft fabric so that it's you know more tolerable for her. And then she just becomes really proud when she's able to learn how to wear them. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, highlight that this is a sensory sensitivities are a real thing in our little kids. I see it all the time in my personal life, in my practice, um, and just showing that there are ways to accommodate for it and to help kids um, move past those sensitivities. You're highlighting that it's real, right? Like rather than saying, oh no, it's fine. You shouldn't worry about it. You're highlighting this is a very real experience, you know, for little people and, and for us when we kind of perhaps tune in and some of us might be more or less sensitive, but just because it's 
you know, not something we're picking up on or noticing doesn't mean it's not real. Right. Exactly. Yeah. An adult might feel overwhelmed in a crowded, loud space and not really stop to think, you know, oh, maybe I'm more sensitive to sound than the average person. I know personally, I don't love rock concerts or, you know, loud basketball games. Um, And I've learned, you know, a lot through seeing my son that I am a, a very sensitive person in a lot of different areas. And so, I think there's not a lot of literature or even children's literature to talk about these types of sensitivities. And so that's why I wanted to add that um, characteristic to Henrietta. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And Laura, would you mind speaking us? Because, you know, you're talking about the experience of being sensitive yourself, your son also um, experiencing the world with this, you know, unique capacity for sensitivity. And then you work with individuals who are experiencing autism. Would you be talking through the concept of neurodivergence with us? So maybe we can all learn a little bit about how unique we are. Yeah, of course. So I think in the last five to 10 years, there's been a really great movement towards talking about um, neurodevelopmental disorders like autism more as neurodivergence um, and how our world needs all different sorts of minds in order to function. Um, You know, people with autism or autistic people really do have a lot of strengths in the way that their brain thinks and operates. Um, A lot of them are very detail-oriented, brilliant, have great ideas, kind, um, but they do sometimes have challenges seeing the bigger picture or interacting socially. So I think just viewing these as differences rather than deficits has been a huge shift that I have seen, um, and not just with autism, also with um, diagnoses like ADHD um, and giftedness, just all different sorts of cognitive profiles that Um, In the past, I think we're really viewed in a negative way, Um, but now, you know, we have highlighted that there's actually lots of CEOs who have high-functioning ADHD, and ADHD often is associated with creativity um, and hyper-focus, so you can really become an expert on whatever topic you're super interested in. So I think um, as a psychologist, I am in the business of diagnosing people, but I always like to point out that there are strengths that come along with many, many diagnoses like autism and ADHD. Yeah, that's, I thank you for that. And thank you for highlighting the, the strengths focus, because I think you're right that the literature historically or the sort of the conversation has been deficit focused rather than being able to look at the unique skills and capacities that we have and that we all work together as a society, you know, and and support each other, which is what's so beautiful about Henrietta because her experience is different than her siblings and the family unit works together. Right, right. Each child adds their unique strength to the family unit. Henrietta is very perceptive and sensitive. Her siblings are a little bit more nonchalant and carefree. Um, And we do need both types of people in our world. Yeah. So parents kind of listening to this, obviously grabbing a copy so that they can start the conversation book in hand is, is one way. Is there anything else that, you know, you would recommend for parents, particularly those who might be supporting children who are more sensitive, you know, and, and are wired a little bit differently? 
Yeah, I think just not being afraid to seek out help and doing so early rather than waiting until it's a crisis. I think, um, you know, some families might have some biases um, against mental health just because of the way that they grew up. And I think slowly that's changing in society. People are becoming more accepting, but I would just say, you know, never to hesitate to seek professional help for your child um, and just to be able to have open conversations with them. If you're not comfortable doing so, you know, find another family member who is. Um, and I know also that a lot, um, this has been a really challenging time for parents. So I would also encourage parents to seek out mental health support for themselves because one thing we know um, from the research is that child mental health is highly impacted by parent mental health. Yeah. What like a prompt to, to prioritize one's well-being. Hey, you know, sometimes I think parents can sacrifice, sacrifice and burn out or, you know, have, have difficulties. And here's the reminder that actually taking care of you allows you to take care of these little ones in such uncertain times. Exactly. Exactly. And just putting away that those feelings of guilt, if you're spending time away from your children to take care of yourself, just remembering, actually, this is taking care of my children by taking care of myself. Yeah, this comes up a lot in the work I do around how we actually put aside the time that we need to, to engage in, you know, self-development, self-healing movement, like the things that allow us to function optimally, that it is a matter of as we take care of ourselves, we're taking care of others, that reframe, I think is quite powerful for people. Yes, yes. And even something, as I know it, I have to remind myself daily that this <laughs> is this is the truth. <laughs> And that's just so normalizing, isn't it? That it's a constant practice. There's no perfect here. It's constantly ebbs and flows and reorientating and rebalancing that we're all just kind of figuring out our way through imperfectly as best we can, huh? Exactly, exactly. And same with our kids, you know. Um, it has not been an easy time for either of my kids during the pandemic. And I just want to highlight that I am, you know, as you said, I'm a child psychologist. I have all this training and what to do, yet we cannot always make it perfect as parents. So I think just being able to sit with our kids' distress and realize that it's temporary and things will get better. We can do everything we can, but we're not going to be able to fix everything. So I think that's another important point that um, I, again, need to remind myself um, and I think would be helpful for other parents to hear too. Yeah, that's a really beautiful, a beautiful reminder for us all being able to be with the big feelings. Everything isn't perfect, but we, we learn the skills to get through it and we can be with the imperfectness of it as we do. So, or is there anything else, I guess, like, so as we sort of lead to wrapping up, you know, Henrietta is such an offering to the world. Your book is such an offering to the world for parents and having this conversation. I think the information around neurodivergence and understanding, you know, that we're all a little bit different and that we might have sensitivities and that we can cater to this as best we can is really important. Are there any final notes that you want to leave listeners with as they, you know, move forward in navigating this uncertain time? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've seen such a rise in child and adolescent anxiety during this time, especially. 
And I think something else that comes into play, which is a whole other podcast episode, is, is social media, which can um, really just, I think, exacerbate a lot of people's anxiety. Um, the one takeaway that I wanted to mention is just trying not to let your child avoid the things that they're afraid of. So I know as a parent, it's so tempting when you see your child distressed, you know, for example, after being in lockdown, your child, let's say your child's invited to a birthday party and they're very overwhelmed and they don't want to go. As a parent, we want to naturally protect our children and make sure that they're not distressed. And I totally understand that instinct and I've been there before, but I think um, the hard part is that the more that we avoid, you know, helping our children enter these difficult situations, the more we avoid um, encountering our own anxiety, the worse the anxiety is going to get. So your child might feel relieved in the moment when they don't have to go to the birthday party. I might feel relieved in the moment when I avoid going in person to a store for the first time in a long time. But in the long run, um, you know, that'll just lead to more and more anxiety. So um, that was another reason I wrote the book, just as a way to encourage kids and even um, adolescents and adults just to continue to be brave, even when it's so hard to do so, because um, thinking about in the long run, that will actually build resilience and decrease anxiety. Be brave, beautiful, and it's so hard to do so. That's a really lovely note to finish on and like way of framing bravery too, you know, that it's hard. It doesn't mean you're totally confident or comfortable. It means you're doing these hard things and that you're doing it for, for the long term, you know, getting back into connection. Laura, how can, how can listeners connect with you and, you know, work with you? What, where are you at? Yeah. So I, just recently started an Instagram account a few months ago um, to get the word out about my book. It's laura.kirby underscore author. Um, and I also have a website, authorlaurakirby.com, where people can connect with me via email and just, um, you know, check out my book and learn a little bit more about my practice as well. Amazing. And I'll put links in the show notes. So listeners, if you're driving, so you don't need to pull over, you can just crap it after. <laughs> um, but that's, that's great. And what a, what a wonderful way for people to continue this conversation further, particularly if their ears are perking up around how this is going to be a useful tool to support their children, or if they're wanting to learn more when they're going, Ooh, okay. So sensitivity, like what, what is this? How does this relate to my, my experience or my children's experience? Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Of course. Yeah. It was so nice chatting with you. Absolute pleasure in our little um, hideaways. <laughs> well, I hope that you found that conversation with Dr. Laura as informative and as supportive as I did. I really do believe that our little ones will navigate this time well and in fact cultivate resilience when we're able to support them in a meaningful and connective way, understanding their unique strengths along the way. 
If you haven't already caught a copy of Henrietta's Thistleberry Boots, I highly recommend it, particularly if you have little ones. I know my little three-year-old has absolutely adored it. Who doesn't love a little hedgehog? And if you have little ones, what a perfect way to use pictures, use animals, as Dr. Laura described in terms of how we teach and share. I'm wishing you and your family all the best as we do lead into the school year or if you are in other parts of the world as you re-engage with the school year as it continues. May you and yours all be well and if you do have a moment may I ask a favor. If you know anyone who would benefit from this episode or if you would take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast, it really helps me spread the word about these frameworks and skills to the people who will benefit from them and who may at this point in time really need them. Wishing you a wonderful week ahead. We will be back for another episode next Wellbeing Wednesday. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.